everyone, and welcome to a very special forwardcasty Christmas. I sit here smoking my pipe in my velvet jacket while the fire crackles in the gate. The snow falls peacefully outside, and an old overweight man in a white beard with ill-defined magical powers is trying to gain forced access to my premises via the chimney, judge my life choices, and reward or punish me accordingly. Hmm. That's either Santa or Jehovah. I can't work out which. So, while I sit here with a loaded shotgun, waiting for this strange Santa-Jehovah hybrid to come crawling forth from my chimney, I thought we might spend a little quality time talking about the Yuletide season. But wait! Christmas isn't just about the acquisition of presents, the devouring of mince pies, and the high-velocity delivery of 12-gauge buckshot to old, judgy, supernatural creatures. It's a time of magic and wonder, where the walls of reality wear thin, and we get a glimpse. A glimpse of what, you might ask? A glimpse of other worlds, other dimensions, other realities. You see, I've been told that in another reality, I'm part of a very different podcast show. A podcast show about films, books, music, video games, and all the other good stuff that people such as Tony Morris and Stephen Lett decided were too sinful for the likes of us. It's a show where I share the stage with three other former Jehovah's Witnesses named Patricia, Jordan, and Germ. It is a land known as Uncultured. So on this very magical Christmas Eve, come join me as we magically step through into this other world and into the land of the Uncultured podcast and meet these strange, unfamiliar people. Who knows, we might even be back in time to blast Santa Hover right in the face just as he breaks in. Hello everyone, how are you doing? Hello. Hi. I got mesmerized there, I was kind of hoping Covert would just keep talking. <laughs> Bedtime story with Kurt. Yeah, I've kind of got the um, spiral eyes from the Jungle Book, you know. <laughs> <Do-do-do-do-do>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're getting sleepy. Was that Scarlett Johansson that played it in live? Was that was that her character? I haven't watched the live action no, remake. I haven't either. The new one. Mm. I haven't either. I don't know. I've, yeah, that's maybe that's something we should do. We even had one of the live I suppose. <laughs> we could subject ourselves to watching all of the live action remakes and doing an episode on them. We've already got Lion King out of the way. Yeah, that's the sign of covert fade softly screaming <laughs> into uh, yeah, the padded walls of his cell. Cool. The reason I wanted to get you guys on is because um, I think there's a nice synergy here. So for those forwardcast listeners who who haven't heard the Uncultured show, um, that's a podcast that the four of us do, which is all very much talking about kind of pop culture and the things that as Jehovah's Witnesses we were kind of either forbidden from accessing or that we were able to access as witnesses. You know, we were able to watch some films and, and have some movies and some some of the kind of the culture of the world that surrounded us. But now we're able to explore it in a lot more detail. And I thought this was a really nice chance for a bit of a crossover because Christmas obviously is something that's completely forbidden for Jehovah's Witnesses. You can't do it. But once you leave the Witnesses, you suddenly have this, this kind of cultural thing which everyone around you is probably engaging in to some degree. 
and now you're able to engage in too. So I thought it might be useful for us to kind of talk about our, you know, our own experiences getting into Christmas. Um, maybe give a little bit of advice for those XJWs who are maybe facing their first Christmas ever or who are like, I don't really know how to do this because I feel uncomfortable doing something that, you know, I've been forbidden for doing for so long. And then we're going to end with something that's pure uncultured. We're going to talk about our favorite Christmas movies. Are you up for this plan? I'm game. Yeah, count me in. Yay. Cool. So um, I thought we may, might actually start by talking about our first Christmases because um, that's, I think, a, an experience that every XJW is going to have when they first start trying to get to grips with this weird thing that they've, they always knew was there but were always forbidden from doing. And then suddenly you're doing the thing you weren't supposed to. Um, so maybe I thought we'd start with Patricia. What was your first Christmas like? Was it easy? Was it hard? What were your What was your experience of that? Um, well, so for me, um, I stopped going to meeting and kind of stopped being a functional witness a couple of years before I woke up. So I actually avoided Christmas for the first few years that I was not attending meeting or actively participating in the preaching work. Um, and I had actually started dating someone who was a non-witness. And so um, I very hesitantly celebrated or joined in his family's uh, Christmas celebration. And the one thing that I remember from it the most, um, it was pretty enjoyable, even though I kept feeling like I'm going to be struck down at Armageddon for this. Uh, the thing that I remember the most is that um, they, they kind of did a Christmas Eve traditional uh, turkey and ham and all of the what you would consider Christmassy sides um, kind of dinner the night before. So, um no, no present opening, I don't think. But yeah, just getting together and eating and enjoying each other's company. And then the next day, um, kind of a lazy midday thing was what they called Fishmas. And that is where they did a big crab boil and uh, made like peel and eat shrimp and fried fish and um, just a seafood smorgasbord. And then they invited everybody over for that, too. Um, so it was very food centered. I remember that was lovely and, um, it was nice to receive presents, but I, I felt like I didn't really know what to get anyone. And just in general, it was, I, I was pretty uncomfortable with the whole thing in spite of how much fun I could have been having. I love the idea of fishmas. <laughs> I want a fishmas. Yeah, it was, it was pretty great. Yeah. I will say that. Wouldn't it be fish and chipsmas over there in the <laughs> UK? Covers? You know what it actually would be, uh, fish and chipsmas, yeah. I mean, it sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's interesting when you sort of mentioned, Patricia, that you were kind of, you were uncomfortable with it and you, you didn't know what to get people. Um, do you still kind of have that thing with buying gifts? Because I actually still find it really hard to buy people stuff in that I, I'm not used to buying gifts for people, so I don't really have a developed sense of what what people would like or am I the only person there or is that something other people feel? Oh, I definitely do. Um, it, it's really hard. Um, I either over gift and am way too extravagant or I just kind of 
get something really meaningless and trifling because I, I don't know what else to get. Um, I will say that I found a local store here in Seattle um, that made it a little easier if I do need to buy a gift for someone I don't know very well. Um, it's a fair trade store called 10,000 Villages. I believe they're all over the U.S. Um, and every item there comes with a story of the artisan um, who made it where they live on the globe um, and kind of either, you know, they, they had some sort of inspiring story, like many of them came out of, you know, human trafficking or various difficult situations and are, have their own little business making these crafts. And so I always feel like because I really don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> it's nice to have something that has some meaning behind it. And usually people are pretty touched by the gift, even if, you know, it, I didn't really know what they wanted. <laughs> so um, it's kind of my way of cheating if I need to, like for a secret Santa. But yeah, it's still really hard to buy gifts. I also have the problem of overgifting. I don't buy for a lot of people, but when I do, I, I overgift. I am the world's biggest believer in the crisp $20 bill gift. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're going to get from me. I actually quite like that idea because that's that's giving someone something that's like you furnish your own gift. You can buy whatever you like. I quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So, ooh, after I, you, Jordan. Oh, I was just going to say, if it's not a twenty dollars bill, I've also kind of become a big fan of like consumables as gifts. Like maybe those, you know, uh, liquor is always good, or some sort of like exotic treat, kind of a special thing that you would normally buy for yourself, but. You know, you can like sit around and enjoy with the other people there. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Those are really good gifts. That's a nice one, actually. That's a good idea. Like you say, because you've got that exotic tree. It's social because you're chilling with everyone. But it's kind of like if you know roughly what they like to eat, it's like you don't have to give them a permanent thing. You just give them a nice experience, which is quite nice. Yeah, and it kind of takes away like that awkward, they open the gift in front of you and it's like, uh, what do I do now? Thank you. But now it's like, oh, hey, we can all share that. Let's try this, you know, 20 box set of cherry uh, chocolates that you just gifted me. That's genius. So, let's, so since you've come up with this genius idea, Jordan, what's your first Christmas like? Because I think you, you mentioned to me you sort of have two first Christmases. Um, so because you're, you're, you're freshly out because I think most of us, we've been out for a few years but Jordan if you if you go to his YouTube channel you'll actually see that uh, Jordan's an ex-Bethelite and he's only been out very recently so what were your Christmases like? Yeah so I woke up uh, October 2017 so it's just been barely two years since I've been mentally awake and my first Christmas I actually I was working janitorial at the time and uh, I was house-sitting for these witness family and I like had this day planned where I was going to watch movies and eat a bunch of junk food and get a little tipsy. And I, like I said, I was working janitorial at the time and I get a call from my boss and he's like, we have 30,000 square feet of linoleum floor that needs to be stripped and rewaxed and it has to be done by Monday. <laughs> and absolutely nobody else was available to do it. So I spent my Christmas and the subsequent days working 12, 13, 14 hour days getting that stupid school and only four rewaxed. So I had like three hours of Christmas and then 
yeah, working for the rest of it. Oh, and no. that was my first Christmas. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm not laughing at you. It's a sympathy laugh. No, la- I <laughs> laugh with me. I, it was, <laughs> which it was kind of like this, because what I was doing at the time when I was doing that job was I was listening to like XJW videos while I was, you know, doing my janitorial work. So I was just sitting there. It's Christmas. I'm working. I'm listening to, you know. Um, I think it was like XJW fifth stories at the time. So I was like hitting all of the apostate stuff right at the same time. Oh, wow. And I think in a way that's kind of probably something that a lot of, and we'll get onto my Christmas experience right at the end, but I suspect a lot of XJWs, their first Christmas is going to be something like that because you haven't yet spun up the social circle or everything else because everyone, everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. is, is gone. So it's not like there's all these parties you can go to. Um, right. And it's like, well, what do you do with the time? And yeah, so wow. So you you were linoleum flooring. Now, what was your second Christmas like? We can't leave you on the the linoleum floor. Now. <laughs> so, what was your second one like? Uh, my second Christmas was just last year. Um, my I had a really good friend that I had met through work, and she invited me to come spend the day with her family. And it was just one of those like really typical wake up super early, uh, eat breakfast drink eggnog we unwrapped presents around the christmas tree had bright you know like food and throughout the day and played board games and i think we did one of those like escape room in a box type of things and it was just like a really nice chill uh new family experience uh for my first real christmas escape room in a box can can you explain this to me well you know what escape room is right yeah. So it's just the same kind of idea where you have a bunch of different puzzles, and instead of having to go to a physical location, you just get it in a in a board game box, essentially. Okay, so it's so it's a board game, and you're figuring out the puzzles. I was thinking like it's a box you pop up and try to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that also would be equally fun. Yeah. As soon as, as, soon as you put the box up, yeah. you find that all the cats have jumped into the box, and you know you can't right. escape anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> the actual puzzle is how to get the cats out of the box. <laughs> now that's interesting. You mentioned sort of Jordan. So by the time of that second Christmas, you'd you'd made you'd you'd been working on your social circle. Um, and this is this is one of the things I know we, it keeps coming up as a theme on the forward cast is once you leave the JWs, you have to start rebuilding your social circle. Um, and we, we've had a lot of discussions about previous on previous episodes as how to do that. But that's that's an example of how that pays dividends. It's like so through your social circle, you then got that that Christmas invite and then you experience your first Christmas with lots of other people who are used to celebrating it because you've been working on rebuilding your social life. Yeah, and it, it was kind of like an interesting Jane Goodall moment where it's like, you know, sitting there observing the gorillas doing their activities and you're just kind of like, I know I could be participating in this, but it's it's really foreign mm-hmm. to me. And like I said, I'm still pretty fresh out, but like Christmas doesn't have any sort of emotional meaning to me. So it's, I'm sure even this year it's going to be more of the same where we're trying to like act like I belong there and act like Christmas is my favorite holiday and just see how it goes from there. What are we doing for Christmas this year, Patricia? I don't remember what our plans are. Uh, we don't have anything definite, but I know we're going to see your brother and his wife. Oh, and right, right. His yeah, his family. family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's actually kind of a, another interesting story is my brother is also out of the religion. And he married a girl who has like this gigantic family, Hispanic family. And uh, they throw, you know, his, the, the Latinx love to do Christmas really big. So <laughs> that's what we kind of got. 
um, I wouldn't say conned into because it actually sounds yeah. super fun <laughs> where they do like tamales and and dancing and lots of liquor and everybody like passes out on the floor and then gets up and does it yeah, all over again. Yeah, I have again no complaints about that plan. Um, hopefully with yeah. the snow <laughs> on the pass, we can actually make it over there, but that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So two, so first two Christmases were kind of like, eh, but this year sounds yeah. really exciting if we can at least make our plans. Oh, that sounds awesome. Okay, cool. So your, your Christmas is kind of escalating quickly, basically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like by myself and then with a smaller group. And now this year it's going to be a huge party. <laughs> nice. So, Jim, uh, we're coming on to you. What was your, what was your first Christmas like? Because you left quite a few years ago, didn't you? Yeah, I've been out for 15 years this year. Um, so it was, it was a long time ago. And my first Christmas was horrible <laughs> it was horrible and i i'm sad because i'm about to be a bummer but i am notoriously a scrooge about christmas like this is what my friends know me for is being a christmas <laughs> scrooge um but it wasn't always that way like my first christmas i was really excited but i was really naive about all of it like i was just barely 18 i was a really sheltered homeschool kid just kind of peeking out of the bunker for the first time i didn't know like anything about Christmas except what I'd seen in the movies. Um, so for my Christmas, my first Christmas, I obviously didn't have any family to celebrate with. Um, I just had some new friends that I'd made and a roommate. Um, so I bought a little Christmas tree and I got all my friends presents and I got my roommate presents and you know, I invited everybody over for a big bash and I got all this food and I got all dressed up and nobody showed no. up. <laughs> nobody showed up. Like everybody bailed. Even my roommate ended up leaving for the day to spend it with oh, his family. And I was so upset at the time. Like, and I was still cut pretty pomy at the time. Um, like the only, the only reason I was out was because I was gay. It wasn't because I'd woken up. Um, so I was just going to live my life and do all the things I was forbidden to do because I thought that I was going to die in Armageddon. And so I already had like this a little bit of guilt in the back of my mind about celebrating it. And then like because it all sucks so bad, I did, like the guilt just doubled down that I'd sinned. I'd done this horrible thing and it wasn't worth it at all. Like it totally was not worth it. Jehovah was proving to you, it's time to come back so you nobody even want to go to your Christmas celebration. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, I definitely thought that. Uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I was so bitter, and I ended up, like, returning all of the gifts really vindictively. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> in retrospect, like, in retrospect, I, I understand now that everybody had their own families. And, you know... These were friends that I'd barely known for maybe six months. It wasn't really their job to take care of me. Um, so, yeah, that was my wow. first Christmas. It was really bad. And I was such a Scrooge about it for years afterward, even though I had so many friends later that just wanted to give me the best Christmas ever. And I just wanted nothing to do with it. What are you doing for Christmas this year, Drew? Um, well, I am... I don't want to talk about that till later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> don't we get to the Christmas traditions part? Okay, uh, that's cool. Okay. Oh, covert. Uh, I just because the forward cast is a little bit more skewed towards JW stuff. We want to hear what Christmas at Bethel is like. Oh yes, oh. definitely. Lay it down. Was, was Anthony Morris like drunk on eggnog and walking around <laughs> slapping young men in, on the butt? Was he doing that? Because I feel like he'd be doing that. Uh, 
you would you would think, but no, actually, Christmas actually really sucks at Bethel, especially when I was in Brooklyn, because the entire city shuts down from. That's what everybody's doing is celebrating Christmas, right? Like nobody's in the streets, and if they're in the streets, they're having mm-hmm. snowball fights. Uh, Bethel does not. The only holiday you get at Bethel is a half a day on the memorial, and you're supposed to go out preaching, so it's not really even a holiday. So I was going to say that is not a holiday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. So, but, but one of the busiest tour days, ironically enough, is Christmas because one of the times that people can get away to go visit Bethel is uh, winter break. So, uh, I think my first Christmas at Bethel, there was like seventeen hundred people that came through to tour Bethel that day, and just all hands on deck for tours and taking care of them. And we had to open. The, there's a gym there at, at twenty five Columbia Heights, and we had to open it up. And then the kitchen was like making cookies to try to feed these people, and uh, they were waiting for like four hours to get their tours. And every year it was just this madhouse where the rest of New York City was asleep and enjoying Christmas, and here was Bethel just still doing its thing. You so it was it, it was basically like Bethel, but more so. Yeah, it was just because of you know the world shuts down for Christmas, but Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate Christmas, so it's a perfect time to go visit Bethel and take advantage of the rest of the world not doing anything. You know, school's off, work's off, and yeah, uh, <laughs> it was miserable. It was it was, and then like I would I would go to my congregation territory was near Central Park, and so. Central Park, it's got like the Christmas lights are up and there's ice skating rinks and there's just like a lot of fun activity if you could go out and participate in any of it. Um, the lighting lighting ceremony and all this other stuff. And you're just kind of like forced to see it all happening and people look like they're having fun and, and you're, you're there serving Jehovah, so you couldn't possibly participate in any of it. Ew. Wow, that's... It's kind of it's interesting what you sort of say though, like, because you're so detached. I suppose it's the ultimate the ultimate example of being detached from a thing that's going on around you. Because I know I, I suspect when we were all JWs, we sort of had that when Christmas was going on, like not being mm. able to join in at school, and you know when you get older, not you know the work things are going on and you're turning it down. But I suppose Bethel is that times a thousand because you really are completely surrounded by people and an environment that seals you off from it. So it's almost like Christmas is even more just of a glancing blow. Yeah, and like legitimately, because when you're in school or work, you you you're aware of the holidays because of days off of work and days off of school. But like legitimately at Bethel, I would not. It was like, oh, it's December twenty fifth today. Oh, I guess that's Christmas today, and you actually legitimately forget that the rest of the world is participating in this holiday because you're so closed off from the rest of the world. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I can sort of I can see how that's happening. It's fascinating because I kind of suspected that would be what Bethel's like, but to hear it from the horse's mouth, that's like, yeah, that's quite interesting. But interestingly enough, they do have. There's always like turkey dinner on Thanksgiving and ham, some sort really? of like ham, and yeah, it's I, I don't know why, but they would still serve some sort of like themed meal on those days or around those days. Wow. And, and Turkey, Turkey especially was weird because the only day they would ever serve Turkey was in November, right around Thanksgiving time. And then they never served ham except for right around Christmas time. So it's almost like they knew that the old timers had that, that 
little bit of like, you know, nostalgia for, for that kind of a thing around that time of a year. And so they would say, satiate that, but it was just like really weird. And people would sometimes comment like, huh, we're having turkey dinner <laughs> the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, that's a very JW thing in the U.S. is doing like Thanksgiving on Friday, but it's not actually Thanksgiving. So I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, thinking about yeah. back when I was a witness, um, of course, we didn't have any Christmas traditions that we would call that. But uh, in my area, there was a lot of skiing nearby. And so because so many people had Christmas off or that week, you know, if it was near a weekend, that whole weekend off, um, a lot of the witnesses would go hit the slopes and go skiing on Christmas Day. Um, and they would reason that they weren't going to bother going out in service because, you know, everybody's celebrating Christmas and it would just disturb yeah. all, the, all the people. <laughs> so. I, f- I forgot about that, like, because I'm from central Washington, the 200 to 300 witnesses that live in central Washington would clog up Mission Ridge because that's what all the witnesses would go do on on uh, Christmas Day. I forgot about that completely. Yeah, there's like multiple Christmases that I actually joined groups that were going skiing. The um, Oh, I was going to say, because that, that, that's something else I've got to ask you guys. Who else here has ever done Christmas Day witnessing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't. I'm sure that I did, but I don't remember it. Oh, speaking of that, Jerem, I just realized you've been out longer than I was baptized. Because I got baptized when I was 13 and disfellowshipped at 25. So you've been out 15 years, and I was only ever baptized 12 years. <laughs> yeah. So the disparity between our times out. <laughs> well, yeah, and I've been out long enough to have earned a reputation for being a Scrooge. And, mm-hmm. like, totally, like... Uh, what what is the word? Bet flip flopping on on my stance. Can I talk about my second Christmas? Sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, my second first Christmas was several years later, and this happened when my mom finally woke up from Jehovah's Witnesses, um, and it was a very like crazy year for her. Um, but she ended up, you, you know, she left Jehovah's Witnesses and she left my dad at the same time. And moved out on her own. And this was huge for her because she never lived on her own. She was, she was like a person that got married when she was still a teenager and immediately had a kid and had never lived on her own. Um, so, but she did it. She moved out on her own and my brother left at the same time. He left with her. And it was like the month after they both left that it was Christmas time. So we finally, finally got to have our very first Christmas, me, my mom, and my brother. It was probably, eight years after I'd left witnesses or so. Um, and that, that kind of just like having that family the, and not doing Christmas with friends, it really changed my stance on Christmas. It made me, it made, it made me less of a Scrooge. Aww. So if you're, I think that if you're in a situation where you, you just got out and you don't have any family and you don't know what to do, just like, hold on. It, there's still hope. There's still light at the end of the, at the end of the Christmas tunnel. Yeah. I think that's important to remember. Like you're not going to get it right out the door. So yep. yeah. give yourself time to settle into it and figure out what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. Cause I mean, it's like, for, you've got to keep in mind that if you're an XJW, there'll be a point where you, you've literally just starting to learn how to do this and everyone else has been doing mm. it for years or even decades. So expecting yourself to instantly, it's like anything, if anyone else had been doing anything for decades and you'd only just started, you wouldn't be beating yourself up because you weren't quite keeping pace with right. everyone. You know? it's, all, it's, it's about yeah. progress, not perfection. 
Right. Exactly. And it it was kind of nice because my mom was a, she was a convert to Jehovah's Witnesses, but prior to converting to Jehovah's Witnesses, her father did not allow that family to celebrate Christmas. So she also had no uh, Christmas experience. So it was kind of nice to have, like, I'd been to like family Christmases before that, joining a friend or whatever. And I always felt really awkward because I was the one that didn't know what to do. I was the one that wasn't, that didn't feel totally comfortable. So it was so great to finally have that one where it was like all three of us just kind of winging it and it was fine. And yeah, we just had a great time. Oh, that's awesome. That is almost like a Christmas a Christmas movie where you've got the first Christmas where uh, sort of germs being all grinchy and it all goes wrong and then finally yeah. he gets to the true meaning of the spirit of Christmas. Yeah, it's a Christmas carol over here. Who gets to play germ in the movie? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Probably Seth Rogen, judging from my YouTube comments. <laughs> <laughs> Which I disagree with. That's funny. Ah, cool. Okay. So I'll just quickly go through my first Christmas because it's not that interesting, if I'm honest. It was very much a, um, I left the JWs. I've been waking up like for, you know, a few months, but I actually officially left, left, I think around the end of November. So my first Christmas was very much just like, oh, here I am. Um, and there's no one I, I really know. Um, I got, I remember getting Christmas cards from my work colleagues cause I could, mm. um, I, I seem to remember like I didn't go to the work Christmas, but I think that was more just the fact that it was rubbish and it was expensive to get to. And I was like, I eh, don't really. Bleh. Um, but yeah, I did have there was um, I don't have I have some extended family um, and I ended up basically spending a Christmas with them. But I was very much out of it and awkward. And I think a bit like Jordan, I just kind of turned up and felt like the person observing. Um. And that was kind of my, that was my first Christmas. Now, since I've been kind of like gradually getting into the spirit of it, I think, but I do very much, I think, as you said, I, I still struggle for it to emotionally mean anything to me. Like, I don't look forward to Christmas. I just kind of like blink and like, oh my God, it's December the 24th, Christmas is tomorrow. Like, yeah. I don't have that kind of build up or emotional attachment to it, which that seems to be, is that the case with all you guys as well? Definitely. Yeah, it yeah. took me... It took yeah. me several years to develop that kind of Christmas spirit. And I, I still have a difficult time. Like for any kind of holiday, it comes up and I have no idea. Like I literally the last month asked Google, when is Thanksgiving Day? And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, like everyone's staring at me like, what is your problem? Like, I don't I was homeschooled and I didn't celebrate. I don't know when these dates are. I actually have a. I actually have a little bit of sadness when the Christmas time of year rolls around because I, when I was a kid, Thanksgiving, or not Thanksgiving, Christmas break was one of my favorite, I guess actually the whole holiday season that kind of starts with Thanksgiving and goes through New Year's. That was one of my favorite times of the year um, because it was times I got to see my extended family in Montana that we didn't get to see very often. Uh, it, it was like break from school and, you know, we would play outside we, t- we talked about Calvin and Hobbes recently in an uncultured episode, and, like, that was me, like, you know, winter break, building snowmen, having snowball fights, playing outside until all hours of the night, and then coming in and warming up in front of the fire, playing Super Mario RPG on Nintendo in front of the fire with some hot cocoa. Like, I have really, really happy memories about spending that time of the year with my family, and now they all shun me, and we don't get to have any sort of family tradition around Christmas, so... 
like not only do I not have the warm and fuzzies about Christmas time, I'm actually a little sad when this time of year rolls around. Oh, that's that's interesting. I never even thought about that perspective because I was homeschooled, and so like it, it like Christmas break wasn't a thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> my my parents were self employed, so it's not like they also had that time off of the year. So I never thought about what that would be for the normies uh, to have some sort of nostalgic ties to this time of year. Yeah, because I think Patricia was just saying how like most witness families still have some sort of they might they might not do turkey on the Thursday of Thanksgiving, but Saturday they have like right. prime rib or something else. So like we definitely had sure. our little Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's celebrations that were just you know a day or two later, um, or even like there was always football the Friday after Thanksgiving or. Uh, you mentioned covert about going witnessing on on Christmas Day. We would always like, okay, if we go out in the morning of Christmas Day, then everybody gets to go and have fun in the afternoon. Like it was like an earned thing that you had your preaching in the morning and then fun in the afternoon. So there was like really good memories for me associated with this time of year during a time when I was specifically not allowed to celebrate Christmas. And what a horrible thing to do on Christmas Day. I mean, for real, knock on people's doors while they're opening presents and be like, would you like to hear about the apocalypse? <laughs> Enjoy the so, presents. Um, our circuit over. <laughs> what is that thing they always say about assemblies? Like, if Jehovah Willing will be here next year, <laughs> Jehovah Willing, you won't be celebrating Christmas next year. So. Right. Um, oh, I hated that Jehovah Willing. <laughs> They, I'm just going to quickly pop in because I think it's interesting. Where I was, the congregation I was in, we always organized Christmas witnessing because everyone thought mm -hmm. we had to, but no one wanted to do it. There was actually a almost like mm -hmm. a, a very quiet, unspoken agreement that it was a really... Um, a really rude thing to do to go and knock on people's doors on Christmas Day. <laughs> no one yeah. wanted to do it. And there was always one or two psychos who wanted to do it. But even like the elders were like, nah, you don't have to do it if you don't want to because it's, you know. So it's, I don't know if that was weird, just my congregation. But I have at least four years that I can remember where our circuit overseer visit landed the week of, of Christmas. Oh, of and yeah. you have to go out in service because the circuit overseer is there. So, and he was like, well, don't, don't do their usual presentation maybe like just say family's great right it's great to be with family at this time of year and here's a tract and so of course people are like oh yeah i love family we're all hanging together and they would take the tract and there you go you got your foot in the door yeah i remember um especially when i was pioneering and trying to get a jump on my hours <laughs> a lot of it was just like how can i get those hours in and, and i have time off from work or from school um so, yeah, it would do things like um, letter writing or, mm. um, you know, bus stop, like driving around to the different bus stops and hopping out and offering old magazines to the people who are waiting at the bus because, well, they're, they're there and obviously they don't really want to be in the bus is at a, on that weird, you know, holiday schedule. Oh, so. that just reminded me. <laughs> um, that just reminded yeah. me of like the, we, the couple times when I did go out in service on Christmas, we would go looking for the people who were by themselves because you could like take yeah. advantage of the fact that they were alone on Christmas and they were probably sad about yeah. that. <laughs> Dang. I Hello, forgot all sir, about you that. look like you're sad and alone and you've been abandoned by society. <laughs> the thing is that it's kind of the JW uh, ethic. That wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh. Yeah, and then I, I remember having a few, um, like, established Bible studies who um, I didn't care I would go on Christmas Day because it's like, I know you're home, just popping in, 
you know? So you have less shame when you're a pioneer because it's all about trying to keep busy and get those hours in. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just going to say, yeah, that hours pressure is just like, it becomes, it becomes so dominant in your life that it's the main thing. It's like anything. Cause I remember that as well. Anything to get the hours in it's uh, yeah. 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 You know, it's funny, like, because Covert, you were just mentioning, like, it was this silent or unspoken rule that, like, it was kind of rude to go preaching. When I was in the Spanish congregation, um, predominantly Mexican Spanish, it was, like, the best day of the year because, like I said, they, w- they would do this thing where everybody gets together. The whole congregation literally would show up for service in the morning. And maybe you do calls or a little bit of street work or something like that. But then there was, like, two or three parties scattered throughout the city at different people's houses and you'd kind of like party hop and like one house would have dancing and like pasole and another house would have like sports and video games and like enchiladas or something like that and it was like my favorite day of the year to be a witness because it was just like one gigantic party I like the sound of that. That sounds like fun. We were in very different Spanish congregations, I will just say. (laughs) (laughs) That was so not a thing in the Spanish congregation I was at. I wish wish there had been pozole on Christmas Day at mine. Oh, yeah. Pozole on Christmas. That's a thing. (laughs) So good. Okay, cool. So we spent a little time talking about the ghosts of Christmas past and that first Christmas. I think what would be quite fun to do, come on to now is what do we do currently for Christmas? Because the forward cast is all about, I know there'll be a lot of probably new Jehovah's, new ex-Jehovah's Witnesses trying to spin up their own Christmases and deciding how this thing works. And so it might be useful for us to talk about what we do now, what we enjoy doing at Christmas, little things that we kind of little hobbies we've not hobbies little habits we've adapted for christmas and stuff like that um maybe it's helped give people some ideas and then we'll because it also comes into the heading of like okay advice for for getting into the christmas when you're first starting up so what kind of christmas habits and christmas traditions have you guys developed i'll begin so it's it's been a work in progress. Like every year has been completely different for me. Cause I went from like a screw to someone that liked Christmas from like celebrating it with my family. But like, I still had that, like forget about Christmas until two days before Christmas and <laughs> run and run in a panic and buy presents at the last minute kind of person. Um, it wasn't until I got into my current relationship, um, that I've started to get into the, uh, the Christmas spirit all year long because it's, you know, now it's a family thing and we celebrate it together and we want to have this great, you know, atmosphere in the house. So, uh, the, the greatest thing that I've learned is that you don't have to reenact the traditions and stuff that you see in movies. You can do whatever you want to do. So we started to do, we started with Winterfest is what we did. Cause I was still kind of iffy about Christmas. Cause I'm like, I'm an atheist. I don't really care about Jesus. I don't really care about this or that. So we just did Winterfest. We're going to celebrate the winter season and just, you know, leave our decorations up all winter long. <laughs> That's the fun thing about that. And, uh, just, celebrate the season. And this year, we're kind of going for a spookmas vibe. So yeah, so what we've done is we we put up our Halloween decorations in October, and we just left them up. And now that December's here, we've dressed up all of our ha- Halloween decorations with Christmas stuff, like uh, loop, looped it up with Christmas lights and garland and put up the tree. And I wrapped the tree in like some pumpkin lantern orbs for ornaments. And, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what we're doing 
this year. And it, it's cool because a lot of Christmas movies actually kind of support that. Like originally, or maybe not originally, but way back in the day, Christmas was one of the big traditions was to tell ghost stories. Like that's where a Christmas carol came from was that was the tradition then was to tell ghost stories at Christmas. So, um, yeah, there's stuff like a Christmas carol, gremlins, nightmare before Christmas, Krampus, um, even arguably Harry Potter. So those are kind of like what, what we do all month long is watch stuff like that. And I'm loving it so far. That's a really cool idea. That's like, yeah, because that, that's like kind of like taking taking the things you like about Christmas, but also weaving in other things that you enjoy and kind of turning it into an entire month of fun. I really like that idea. Yeah, I do too, especially with like the whole war on holidays thing that's, that seems to <laughs> pop up yeah. all the time. It's like, just just like make, the, make it your own. Like maybe it started as a bastardized version of a Roman Saturnalia celebration that was turned into a Jesus celebration. But like, that's not really what it is anymore. Make it your own, do something that's unique and special to you. You know, I, I like that idea a lot. Well, I was going to say, cause it's kind of the, one of the, the JW reasons for avoiding Christmas. Oh, it's, it's full of, it's all about false religion and it's all about this, the art and the other. But I mean, aside from the obvious, um, you know, the obvious kind of like, for me personally, like I'm also an atheist, so it doesn't really matter what religion it is. I, you know, I don't, still don't believe it. But it is, my experience of Christmas, it is just what you want to make it. If you, if you just want to make it hanging with your family and having great food and celebrating being with each other, it can be about that. And if you want to throw some horror and some ghost stories into the mix, it can be about that. And, you know, it can literally be about anything you want it to be. It's about making that holiday that holiday into what you want it to be and i think that's one of the things that jw's we're so often told about what we are told what things have to be and we're not allowed to put our own interpretations on anything that it's actually quite nice to have that opportunity for you to decide what this time is going to be about and for you to put your own spin on it and for you to not have to justify it to anyone Right, exactly. And there's uh, there's so much about the holiday season that draws on people's nostalgia. For the, And you'll run into this as you try to tackle Christmas movies, classic Christmas movies that you didn't grow up with. Like, they're just, you, they're not that interesting if you didn't grow up with them. It's, it's so much about the nostalgia. Yeah, but doing it this way, I'm able to draw on my own nostalgia, what, you know, resonates with me for the season. Like Jordan was talking about, you know, how much he loved the Christmas break and spending time with his family. For me... I really love like wintry. I used to play like wintry video games uh, mm-hmm. during the season. So like, that's what I listen to now instead of Christmas music. I like, I put on snow level video game music and, <laughs> and it works out. Cause it's like the snow level always has the best music in any video game. So I put up a whole playlist of all the snow levels. I threw in a couple cre- Christmas remixes of video game songs and you know, that's my Christmas music and it means something to me more than like jingle bell rock does for everybody else. Freeze easy peak from Badger Kazooie is forever. My favorite that's, winter theme. Yeah. Christmas, that's definitely yeah. on my playlist. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, actually, Germ, because I, I, I wasn't going to ask this, but if you can give us a couple... So, we've got the Banjo-Kazooie track. Give us a couple more video game Christmas, video game winter tracks, because I, I hadn't even thought this was a thing. So oh, gosh. More. Literally any... Um, 
I, I'm pulling up the playlist right now because now that you asked me that, I can't think of a single song that exists in the universe. <laughs> you sent me the other day, it was like uh, All I Want for Christmas mashup with Super Mario World, I think it was. Yeah. And that was amazing. That, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the uh, the remixes that I found. There's a guy named Blake Robinson that does a synthetic orchestra uh, Christmas calendar medley. And it's like. 40 minutes long and it's just Christmas remixes of video game tracks. I highly recommend it. I listen to it every year. Um, but let's see here. Some, some other songs there's like Sherbert land from Mario Kart, snowy fields, like freeze easy peak, Mario 64, uh, the winter level there that I even have some like Christmassy versions of final fantasy eight songs it's just anything that was in a snow level. Donkey Kong Country. Donkey Kong Country. Those games oh, yeah. had the best oh, music, yeah. especially in the snow levels. So, just, like, that's all you need. Diddy Kong Racing has, like, two or three winter tracks that are really good. I think there's even a video on YouTube of a guy dressed in a Santa suit playing heavy metal covers of Diddy Kong Racing yeah. uh, Christmas music. There's there's actually, like, YouTube videos of just compilations of snow level video game music. You can check out yeah. one of those. That's kind of awesome. I had never even thought of this. This is <laughs> that's genius. Yeah, because I get your point about a lot of. I mean, and we'll probably come on to this when we talk about Christmas movies and maybe other little bits of Christmas culture. The stuff that resonates with me is stuff that isn't just about Christmas. It has to be about something else as well. And I, I know what you mean. I don't have that emotional connection to Christmas. So a lot of Christmas stuff, like people will watch this Christmas movie or that Christmas movie. If it's just about Christmas, I don't care. It has to be about something else. And then I kind of quite get into it. Right. Because that's so many of the movies that like we were allowed to watch. I was like every Christmas movie that I watch now is a movie that just like happened to be coincidentally a Christmas movie. Like it said it happened to be set at the time of Christmas. So I was allowed to watch it. So I have that connection with it. But anything that's just pure Christmas, I, I, I can't get into it now. Yeah. Okay, so we we so Germ has his uh, Christmas has his uh, winter themed music and his uh, ho- his month of horror and ghost stories. So Patricia, what what kind of um, traditions do you have, or do you not have any, or how do you how do you roll with the Christmas spirit? Well, um, you know, every year has been slightly different, much like Germ mentioned. Um, For uh, several years up through this past year, um, I was in a relationship, and so a lot of the Christmas activities were kind of centered around what my boyfriend at the time wanted to do, um, and he had his established people who he wanted to go see on on Christmas Day. So, you know, that kind of, I was like folded into those plans just by by being there. Um, But unfortunately, like, I, I still am finding my own traditions. Um, there are things that I, I love the sound of, I just don't, I have never implemented them. Um, like I, I know you've mentioned this on our podcast and you'll be probably mentioning it here too, but I've always thought the idea of doing an all day Lord of the Rings food party would be kind of fun and, um, timing, serving the different things with when people are eating in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, that's a good <laughs> having idea. Like, I love that. Yeah. Like having a bread, you know, some sort of banana bread or something on when they're eating lemnus bread and then doing like second breakfast when they're having breakfast or having breakfast when they're doing second breakfast and um, potato, something with potato. 
soup or something uh, when uh, Sam Wise is talking about potatoes, you know. Um, and that's just, again, like I've never actually done it, but it sounds cool. And that, that kind of, to me, says a lot about what my current approach to Christmas is. I don't feel very tethered when it comes to the holiday, and it's just kind of whatever I happen to be swept up into. Um, so yeah, I, I wish I, I wish I had something more concrete to offer, but I think that's a lot of witness, ex, uh, ex Jehovah's witness experiences when it comes to Christmas. Um, with the exception of none of us here, um, have little ones that we are regularly around either kids or stepkids or anything. Um, and I know for a lot of ex Jehovah's witnesses who do have children in the house, um, their experience and their kind of interaction with the Christmas holiday is a lot different and will be a lot different. And so there will be a lot more trying to implement kind of those classic, you know, the tree, getting pictures with Santa, going and picking out decorations and gifts and doing the wrapping and everything. Um, so I think a lot of people, a lot of ex-Jehovah's Witnesses kind of do Christmas for their kids, where maybe they don't have the traditions themselves, but they, they do them because they want to give their kids happy memories. So, you know, that might change for myself if at some point in the future, that's something that I have in my life. But, um, yeah, it's definitely not that way right now. Yeah. That's an interesting point you, you kind of make about the, um, the, the, the fact that not having kids might impact it because i i agree i know a lot of xjw's who they have like and this is for birthdays as well they have no attachment to mm-hmm. birthdays at all but they they really want their kids to have birthdays so they'll they'll do it for their kids and the same thing for christmas they'll kind of their thing is like i have no attachment to this but i i, I remember what it was like to grow up without this and i'll be damned if my kids gonna have that experience that does seem right. to be quite common um, for completely understandable reasons, it's almost like I, 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 I have this outlook because of the way I was raised, but I don't necessarily want my kid to have that same outlook. Which is not that there's anything wrong with it, but you know, you don't want to deprive someone of that 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 cultural experience, as it were. Yeah, and I do, I, I do want to say, if if there was anything close to a Christmas tradition for me, um, it would be something I've done more than a few times, which is have Chinese food on Christmas, which I guess is actually kind of a Jewish thing. (laughs) But um, that's something that I did even when I was a witness, um, when our family couldn't find anywhere that was open except for a Chinese restaurant on Christmas night, and we wanted to eat out somewhere. Um, So, you know, when talking about eating and, you know, what to do for food, that would probably be the one thing that I gravitate towards and I might even still do if there are kids in the picture. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Do you, um, does it, so you mentioned decorating here. Does anyone else here decorate their own place or do you, if it does get decorated, is it because there's someone else sharing with you who decorates? Cause I, I never decorate. I, I just don't have that gene switched on in my brain. I did not decorate until I got into this relationship. Like I was talking about, I moved in with him and we've been together for a few near, a few years now. Um, but prior to this, I never decorated. Um, but now, now that we're living together and he's, he's kind of big on the holiday spirit and all of that. And he always decorates. So 
that I, I got roped into it and now I'm the one decorating instead of him, which is fine because I do it better anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had a few gifts of like either ornaments or little Christmas decorations or candles. And I know that that's something that some people do in their stockings is give like Christmas ornaments to put on your own tree. Um, so I, I haven't done that yet, but I I do have some items that if in the future there ever is a tree, I'll be using them to decorate. I like, yeah. I, I was wanted to comment on the, the Christmas stocking there because I love that idea. I've never known what to put in a Christmas stocking. I really don't because right? I watch TV <laughs> and the commercials are like, this is a great stocking stuffer. Buy an iPhone 23 for your like kid. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> is this really what people put in their stockings? No. What's the actual gift? So I've just stuffed it with candy, but I like the ornament idea a lot. Yeah, there's also like, you know, chapstick or lip balm, um, little mini hand lotions, um, you know, a little pair of like the uh, kind of the gloves that aren't going to break the bank. They're not leather or anything. They're just the knit gloves, that kind of thing. So lots of things that are under $10, I think, for stockings. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of interesting. Before we jump on to, uh, to Jordan and move on, because I always want the Christmas buying thing. That's one thing I've still had to balance because I'm quite lucky in a way that I don't have a massive social circle still. And that's not lucky in some ways, but in some ways it's, it's quite good because it means I don't have loads of Christmas shopping to do. <laughs> but suddenly realizing that, holy crap, if, if I know all these people, I'm supposed to get them something. My bank account is going to disintegrate into a horrible yeah. gibbering mess. And I, I don't know how to work this thing. Has anyone else kind of like, struggle with working out what what's reasonable to do in terms of Christmas shopping and gifting. Yeah, I'm struggling with this right now because I, in my process of rebuilding my social circle, I have like 10 to 15 people that I definitely should be buying some sort of Christmas gift for. And then like I wanted to get a little something nice for the my lab partners from biology classes course. So it's like, at what point does it just become like too much? At what point does it become overkill? Um, but then I'm also a really poor college student and I can't afford to buy $400 worth of Christmas gifts for people this year. So I'm like struggling with that as we speak. So, um, in, in the past for me, I've, I've kind of just done whatever secret Santa was happening at work and then, um, you know, nice Christmas cards made with paper art that I don't make, I don't have enough time for that, but I would just purchase something that's a little nicer than your standard like drugstore gift card. And it's more like a, a pretty card with some texture to it. And, um, I find that that, that goes a long way, even if you don't have a physical gift. Yeah. I gotta say like, to me, gift cards are like the worst gift. I'd rather just have the cash. <laughs> I am glad you said that because I hate gift cards. I hate gift cards. I just give me the that. cash. Yeah, I don't like. And that then, either. and then they get they get you like a, a random obscure like um, Dairy Queen twenty dollar gift card, and it's like, well, I guess I'm having Dilly bars for a month. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, greeting card, not <laughs> not gift card. Oh, that's. What, I think greeting cards are like worse. Oh really? I hate greeting cards. I hate them. I just throw them away. Oh, I, I'm such a jerk. Well, I've so I've struggled with with this as well. Um, 
And l- like I said earlier, I'm a chronic overgifter. I really want to go all out just because I, you know, I've seen the movies and I want everyone else to have the great Christmas that I ever got to have. And that's just what I want to do. Um, but for like I was saying, er, uh, up until this year's spook miss, what I'd been doing was Winterfest and just kind of rolling all of the winter holidays into one big thing. So that means also kind of rolling it into New Year's. So the approach that I kind of took with gifting for other people is that it's almost like, the, and this is going to say really bad now that I'm saying it out loud, but it's almost like a MySpace top eight. I don't want to say that, but that's kind of what it is. It's like it's like end of the year appreciation for people that have really meant a lot to me throughout the year or I've spent a lot of time with or they've done something great for me. And so those are the people that I tend to gift. I don't gift everybody that I know and I get them really nice gifts. Um, if I can't think of anything, then a consumable, like Jordan said, is really good. A bottle of liquor, a nice bottle of liquor or, you know, some candies or food or something. Um, and that's what I kind of do. I only really go all out on the gifts for close friends, very close friends and family. Yeah, because it, it's kind of the, one of the, the JW criticisms of Christmas that I think is legitimate but is way overblown and is not a reason to not celebrate Christmas is the commercial aspect of the kind of... Yeah. You do know people who are, like, stressed because they've gone into debt because they had to go buy shit for people and everyone... Exp- you know, not everyone, actually. I think most people are actually quite chill, but the problem is everyone thinks everyone else is expecting nice, expensive gifts, whereas the reality is I think most people are just thinking the thought is what counts and also I'm kind of broke anyway so it'd be really great if no one gets me anything too expensive because then I don't have to feel guilty about the fact that I couldn't get everyone something expensive yeah but the 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 stress of that that kind of the JW perception of it I think is one of the criticisms I think and again that's down to the way you want to celebrate Christmas but I do think there is that commercial aspect which you have to kind of learn to dance your way around um and because I'm, you know, c- coming up to Christmas now, it's like you sort of see everyone rushing into Black Friday to sort of pick up Christmas gifts, which is fine if you can afford to do it. But it's that whole kind of like Ugh, going into debt, not sure I can, not sure I, you know, I can do this and pay it off next year. I can see how that stress will become very uncomfortable. So I actually think that 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 whole thing is one of the biggest misconceptions about Christmas that JWs have and you're going to carry on with you is that you feel like it's very commercialized and you have to go out all out for everybody and in my experience so far even just doing what I do where it's just like I I only buy a very select few people something and they are all shocked that they got anything the reality is almost at least in my experience is almost nobody gets each other anything they are excited about Black Friday to buy for themselves (laughs) and it's more (laughs) of like a family thing like it's family that gift each other things if you're talking like friends and new people that you're meeting i really don't think there's an expectation there for you to buy them anything at all so if you're going to get them a bottle of liquor they're probably going to love you Mm, interesting so it's almost like because we've been told by the watchtower that it's this we walk into christmas thinking that it's this and nobody else is thinking that it's this yeah yeah, no one else is, because yeah. that's what I've tried to do. And everyone has been like, what are you doing? Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get a lot of like, oh, I, I didn't get you anything if I do get someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's okay. And I never feel like, oh, you you jerk. How dare you? I'm always like, oh, well, I just, I don't know. I feel awkward now. <laughs> Whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I will say one of the things that I started doing several years ago, and I've kind of gotten out of the habit, but for a while I was doing it was um, throughout the year, um, if I saw something that was in the stocking stuffer category, um, but something that looked kind of nice and would be that I would like to get as a gift, um, I would pick it up if it was cheap, if it was like under $5. Um, and then I would just kind of stockpile those things and maybe not with any specific person in mind. But then if something came up where someone gave me a gift and I was like, Oh shoot, I better get them something or I better wrap something for them. I already had it and I, I didn't need to worry about going out and buying anything. So, um, yeah, I think that's again, good I, advice in general stockpile I, gifts throughout yeah. the year. Um, so if you see something like, man, Jordan would really like this, just go ahead and buy it now, stow it in the closet, and, <laughs> and you've got Jordan's <laughs> gift at Christmas. Mm. There you go. And then, yeah, I have a friend who, her gift to me every year, this is like the third year she's done it, is just a set of three um, lip balms, and she gets them at the drugstore, the local drugstore. And she's like, this is what I get all my friends and you're going to have it too. So I hope you enjoy. And you know what? They, they come in handy and they're great. <laughs> I love them. So I actually look forward to that gift every year. That's a good idea. That's nice. And it's kind of like, I like almost the idea of like, that's what everyone gets. It's like you found, you, you find a thing that's like low cost, but it's useful. Um, and it's like, okay, that's, that's the gift um, that kind of people, people get that's a nice idea actually yeah okay so we're kind of like talking about there's a few other christmas traditions i want to like ask if you guys do does anyone if you do do sort of presents under the tree and again my own christmas traditions are sort of in flux i'm a bit like uh patricia in uh i don't really i'm not massively attached to any one tradition and i kind of like they come and go um does anyone open a present on christmas eve God, no. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Can I be honest? I've, I've never had a stash of presents to choose to open one from. <laughs> like that. <laughs> ah, okay, so Germ's reaction was almost like I'd asked him, does, does anyone ritualistically stab a dog to death on Christmas? And Germ was like, was... What, kind of, what kind of animal are you? <laughs> that was about as horrifying as the horror movies I subject myself to all year. <laughs> oh dear yes because that's that's interesting because i've observed different approaches to that in my in my in my um short but varied christmas is that sometimes people will oh no we've got a big thing you absolutely open one present on christmas eve um and the and the other people were like it had germs reaction it was like if you do that we will we will pronounce you a witch <laughs> and dunk you and then burn you we're gonna kick you out on the streets <laughs> I am such a Christmas noob. I it only just now clicked in my head that that's you're not supposed to do that. I was like, what's the big deal about opening presents on Christmas Eve? And then, oh, that's right, that's one of those things you're not supposed to do. Excuse me, Jordan. Everyone comes down, and Jordan's just sat by the tree opening everything. So that's crap. That's, oh, that's nice. I love that. Oh, be still, my guys, heart. Guys, someone left loads of cool stuff here, all wrapped up in presents. Come get it. You know what's really sad too is I don't actually wrap most of the gifts that I give. <laughs> I'll just kind of like have them in the, the shopping bag. 
I will I will support that because oh, gift wrapping is a no. pain in the ass and gift I wrap am, is expensive. <laughs> I am leaving and I, I this podcast. I can't even say I don't know. <laughs> I can't even say I don't know how to do it because you know I've been to a million witness weddings and I've wrapped my fair share of baby shower and wedding gifts, so I can't cop out on that one. I I know how to beautifully wrap anything. I just don't. <laughs> I, well, I'll I'm, give you. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because when like Hover pitched this whole like podcast to me, one of the first things I thought was the hardest thing about Christmas for me was learning how to pre- wrap presents. I had no idea how to do it, and I was really, yeah. really, really bad at it for the first few years. I actually took a class to <laughs> to wrap presents, and now I'm really good at Aww. it, and that's why I'm so passionate about it now. Is my presents are beautiful. So speaking of wrapping presents, how about the other way around? When you open presents, do you rip into the wrapping paper or do you like <laughs> kind of cut it nice and then conserve it for the next time? <laughs> my mom made fun of me and my brother for this because we are my second first Christmas was with all three of them. And me and my brother both meticulously like peeled the tape off yeah. and like very <laughs> carefully folded up the wrapping paper. We didn't care a thing, folded it up to be used later. And my yep. mom was like... What is the matter with you? Just tear into it. <laughs> yeah. That happened to me last year because my friend Alex, I went to hang out with her family for Christmas and she handed me like three or four presents. And I'm just like, she's like, I can't believe you're sitting there. You know, I had my knife and I was like gently cutting, <laughs> cutting the tape piece. I'm like, OK, I, I can reuse this stuff. This is like 25 cents a square yard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can, I can, I can resell this and make back the cost of giving you stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's because, and it does seem to be that kind of thing that everyone has their own traditions. But yeah, I, I, I've observed this. There's, it seems to be a real divide as to whether or not you open something early. So that's that's interesting to see. Um, the one, the only real Christmas tradition I have, other than that, on that, and that, that kind of, like, I don't know if that will happen this year because I'm, I'm doing Christmas differently again. Um, is I, and Patricia mentioned this is sticking Lord of the Rings on TV because for some reason the Lord of the Rings movies I was allowed to watch them as a JW and all of my JW friends and congregation watched them, and they all came out at Christmas. So for me, those films like getting excited for the new Lord of the Rings film was a kind of like a JW Christmas thing, if that makes any sense. And now I kind of like, I stick them on in the background, the extended editions on Christmas, if I can, if the people who, who are with me are up for it. And it's not like people are watching them. It's just like they're in the background as kind of like a Christmas thing that's going on. Um, and then this idea that's come up, which I really like, is when they eat something, you eat something themed. That would be awesome to try. I'm really up for that. But that's like the only real Christmas tradition I think I have that's that's stuck over more than one year. I really love that idea. Since Patricia said it, I want to do that. I think I'm going to do that next year. Maybe next year we should all get together. <laughs> and, and, oh, that would be so and fun. Do that. That'd be fun. For me, I don't, like, I don't have that tradition because Lord of the Rings was like right at the end of my Jehovah's Witness time. Like Return of the King came out and I was already out, I think. So, mm. yeah. Well, and I should say that that was for some people, I guess that's a Christmas thing. For some people, it's actually a Thanksgiving thing. So instead of doing like the big turkey, they'll do um, Lord of the Rings just because it fits with their, you know, geeky lifestyle a little more. What, what about like Star Wars? Star Wars always releases around Christmas. Ooh. Yeah, There's the Star Wars special. That. 
Has anyone seen that? Has anyone seen that? I just heard about it. Is that the Ewok one? Is that like? Okay. It's like it's the Wookies. Oh 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 oh. Oh my gosh! I've heard about this. I've heard it's almost unwatchable. It's horrible. I've heard it's almost unwatchable. It is. It's like it's. It's not. You sort of think. Oh, is it like episode one bad? And it's like no. You can watch episode one. This thing is. You are like physically (laughs) cringing. I mean, the bit at the end where they all sing the Wookiee Happy Life Day song. (laughs) That all of the actors clearly, when you see them on their faces, they're all like clearly like, oh my god. Ford has never been so unhappy in his life. Yeah. I can't wait. I mean, okay. if, if you watch it in the right frame of mind, it's probably hilarious, but just watching it, you're like, what is this? I might, I might have to see this. <laughs> it kind of is worth it, but you, you have to be prepared to sit there and go, it's like cringe comedy. Oh, God. So, yeah, maybe, maybe don't have the Star Wars holiday Christmas special. No. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I could, like... BS some stuff. I have been so new out of JW that I don't really have time. I haven't had time to develop my own current Christmas traditions. Uh, last year, I did my my celebration with my friend Alex, and then like I went to Christmas mass, and then um, one of my roommates was Chinese, so I did Chinese New Year with her kind of around the same time of year. So like, I don't have my own traditions, but I, I did think it was kind of interesting when we were talking about this, is how a lot of JWs that I know kind of invent their own replacement Christmas celebrations and like my family would do this thing in July and we even called it Christmas in July where the family would get together and give presents and we'd hang out for a couple of days and um so it, it's interesting how like I don't have Christmas traditions but I have those pseudo Christmas celebrations that were built to replace Christmas and that's kind of what I kind of base my uh my traditions off of interesting that that kind of reminds me of the theoretical gift giving that we always said we got to have because <laughs> I never got we missed out on all this other all stuff. Year long. <laughs> uh, you know, we had like this ethereal um in theory <laughs> kind of In theory I get gifts all the time. <laughs> My parents I, are also dirt could... poor because they're janitors and window <laughs> yeah. washers, so they can't afford to give me gifts. Exactly. Yeah, but but boy did we sell that line. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah. yeah. It's we give the we give the gift of Holy Spirit, mm. oh, wow. which is not which you don't get a receipt receipt for, and you can't exchange for goods or services. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay, so I thought because we, we could maybe quickly um, touch on some advice for XJWs because I think we've we've we actually already spoken quite a bit maybe about thoughts and advice for getting getting to grips with the Christmas monster. But um, do you guys have anything specific you think might be useful for those those XJWs who maybe this is the first time they're approaching this and they're like, I don't know? Um, I have two things that I just wanted to touch on for that. Um, the first is it's going to be hard, and you'll probably still do this to some degree, but don't try not to feel like you have to have the perfect Christmas um, or give someone else, if you're maybe dating a non-witness or, or getting to know non-witnesses, the perfect Christmas. Um, and the second thing is, um, you know, others might want to kind of introduce traditions to you and say that this is, this is the way to celebrate Christmas and just 
it's not. <laughs> it's just a thing. It's just a construct. Make it your own. Do your own thing. Do a movie marathon or something if you want. Um, you know, maybe make if it's what if the weather's decent for it, go on a hike or something. You don't have to. You don't have to make it anything special or intense if you don't want to. But if you do, great. Cool. That's a, that's nice actually. I like that. That's kind of like go go with your flow and don't feel pressure. Right. That that's almost word for word. <laughs> what what I wanted to say. Um, the only thing that I want to add is that if you if you're a person that's never celebrated it before, as many of us are, um, what you know of holidays. <laughs> And how they're celebrated is probably heavily, heavily influenced by TV, by movies, and filtered pictures on Instagram. It's glamour. You know, real people don't have pop, real people don't have perfect holidays either. So if this is your first yeah. holiday and you're stressed, relax. It's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. And most people have their own traditions anyway. So if something goes wrong this year, like remember how we all said this podcast it's every year has been different for us it's constantly evolving and that's going to be the case for you too. take what works keep it ditch what doesn't yep nice that's like the jeet kune do approach that's the martial art of bruce lee and his principle was um take what is useful discard what is useless and create something which is uniquely your own yeah oh that's great I wanted to just throw out there, because I, I highly agree with uh, what you guys are saying. Um, just one thing I wanted to throw out there as a psychology student is, unless you really know that you're going to be okay, like make a special effort not to isolate yourself during the holiday time, um, because it's a known thing that people just can, can get really sad around this time of year. And especially if you're in the process of coming out of a high control group or a cult, um, there's like a bunch of there's there's a there's an intersection of a bunch of different emotions that that you know, like I was saying, for me the holidays are a little bit sad. So try not to isolate yourself. Like have a plan, know what you're going to do. Unless you really know that you're going to be okay, like I don't know, go to the office Christmas party if it comes down to it. But just like don't isolate yourself and try to find people you can be around. That, yeah, that's a really good point, and I and I think also like if you find yourself with nobody to spend the holiday with and nothing to do, and you know that you're going to end up isolated and alone for the holiday, maybe it would be better for you to volunteer somewhere because there's lots of places where you can volunteer, helping the homeless because uh, the homeless people like it, there's other people in the same situation that you're in. So if you don't have anyone to spend the holiday with, maybe be the person to spend a holiday with somebody else. Yeah. Oh, that's really good advice. Yeah, I like that. And, and something that I've learned, I, I am a massage therapist, and so I get the question through the whole holiday season and, and get answers to the question of, like, what are you doing for the holidays, um, is a lot of non-witnesses also have, also deal with family estrangement or um, awkward family relations or just having to create their own family. And so the idea of, you know, maybe being away from home for work and having to do like an orphan's Christmas or a friend's um, is not uncommon. And so, you know, embrace that if that's what you want to do too. And, you know, have like a dinner for everybody who you work with who might not have anywhere else to go, something like that. And I know we've all been trained to like hate churches, but one of my favorite things that I did last year was going to a, a Christmas service. And 
because um, regular churches are different from kingdom halls in that they actually have like, <laughs> it's like a community center, not just a place to go and be indoctrinated. So like there's, there's always some place you can figure out to go. Christmas Eve services are usually more focused on positivity and, and there's of course Bible stuff thrown in there, but then Christmas day services, I, like I really enjoyed participating in that. So yeah, go outside your comfort zone maybe. And, uh, just try to find something new to do. Make it your own. Yeah, I actually went to... Um, one of the things I loved doing was going to like Midnight Christmas Mass because it's, a, it's the, the singing. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm an atheist, but I'm quite happy to turn up and listen to this kind of like this beautiful singing and kind of the experience of the candles and the, like the, 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 you know, the architecture inside the church. It was just really nice. And, and that's something else. Like you say, Jordan, it's like, you know office Christmas parties or something. I really like the helping the homeless idea because the real spirit of Christmas kind of, if you want to, if you want to sort of talk about the kind of the theoretical, you know, the, the message of Jesus, if you want to look at the gospels, I think regardless of anything else, there's just the message of doing, you know, doing things for people that you wish they would do to you. Um, because as I've said, I'm an atheist, but I think that's a wonderful piece of humanistic teaching that does come out of the parable you know one of the things that jesus said was you know do unto others the way you would have them do to you so maybe at christmas you can you can do for people maybe what you know you you would like them to do for you volunteer help the homeless help someone else that's like a really a really nice a really nice thing so um i thought we could now lurch over into full uncultured because as we've said what what the uncultured podcast does is it's all about pop culture movies games videos music books all the good stuff and one of the things we've already kind of touched on is christmas films and i wanted to go around and get your favorite christmas movies tell us why you like them why first of all first of all describe you know what the movie is why you like it and what it means for you in terms of the spirit of Christmas. So who would like to start? I will start because I have, you might as well end with me too, because I have (laughs) the best and most perfect Christmas movie that's ever been made. There's no movie that will top this. And it is called Home Alone 2. (laughs) 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 This movie is the perfect Christmas movie. I love everything about it. Like, it's got the Christmas magic. Like, it has the helping the homeless thing. It has, like, you know, life or death situations. This kid's going to die. These people want to kill him. But it, it... He's, it's got the fake snow. It has like banging Christmas music, like really good Christmas music. I don't like Christmas music, but I like Home Alone 2's music. John Williams, thank you. Um, it's the perfect. It's the perfect Christmas movie. There, there will never be one made to top it. It also has Donald Trump too. Yes, it does. It does. It does. <laughs> I noticed that last year when I rewatched it for Christmas, and I was horrified. so that's the why home alone 2 and not home alone 1 for people who haven't seen home alone the idea is that a kid gets left at home accidentally for christmas and whilst he's learning how he he learns how to fend for himself and then right at the end he defeats some robbers who want to break into his house um and the home alone 2 is kind of a continuation of those themes but why is home alone 2 and not home alone 1 germ Uh, Because Home Alone 1 and 2 are exactly the same movie, except Home Alone 2 did it better. 
Like it's it's all like beat for beat, exactly the same thing. It's all exactly the same. Um, but you know, they just refined it in Home Alone too. So it's I mean I mean, honestly, I watch both of them every year. That's what I do on Christmas Day is watch Home Alone one and two. Um, but mm-hmm. of the two, the second one is better, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, apparently interesting piece of trivia for the Home Alone, the first Home Alone film, um, and people who don't know this. The, the the last third of that movie is this raucous slapstick um, comedy of, like, of basically two burglars getting the worst GBH <laughs> inflicted on them by this kid. Apparently that wasn't the original concept for the third film, the third half, the third final third of that movie, but it was done in re, in sort of like rewrites and reconceptualizing the script. And it, I think that turned it into one of the most memorable um, Christmas movies ever because they had this genius idea of what they should do with the third act. So if people haven't seen Home Alone 1 and 2, it, it takes the the, cons, the kind of the feel of the movie in both of them takes a very hard left turn at the, at the third at the final third, but it really works. I think. So good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say I know your rec- recommendation was Home Alone two, um, but the the music at the church in Home Alone one gives me chills every time and has since I was a little girl, and I shouldn't be having chills about Christmas music, but. It's so beautiful and the best is just so sweet. Is it different from the main theme? I don't remember. It, they they sing Oh Holy Night oh. Um, at the choir at, at a church and it's there's this scary old man throughout the whole movie <laughs> and then yeah. he he learns the story about the scary old man and the scary old man is there watching his granddaughter singing and it's just it's heartbreaking and it's so good and the, the music is just it's got this perfect crescendo. It's beautiful. Yeah, the the music is so yeah. good in both of those movies. It's great. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Germ claims that's the best Christmas movie ever. I am guessing that Patricia might disagree, unless you want to seed <laughs> defeat to Germ and we can all retire. Let's fight. You know, I, I have a movie that I don't think wants to be anyone's favorite movie. It's not interested in your petty ranking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it is it is a surly and dysfunctional Christmas movie, and I kind of love it. It's uh, The Family Stone, is what it's called. And it's I think it's from like the mid-2000s, maybe 2005 or 2006. It's got Sarah Jessica Parker, Dermot Mulroney, Rachel McAdams, um... I want to say Diane Lane and maybe uh, there's people I'm forgetting. It's, it's kind of jam packed with stars. Um, but the concept is basically this very uptight woman who is dating this guy from a big family and she is meeting the family for the first time at Christmas. And she pretty much just is completely out of her element and the family is not very welcoming to her, but she's also kind of a not great guest all the time. And then her sister crashes this same family Christmas. And there's this underlying really bittersweet kind of heartbreaking thing happening in the family that is adding some depth to it. Um, but it's it's so good because it's it's messy and like literally and figuratively messy at times, <laughs> and um, and it's just a, a very realistic probably depiction of how family Christmases can sometimes be really dysfunctional, and you're kind of stepping into this world of dysfunction that you might 
not fully be prepared for if you're joining an unfamiliar family for their Christmas. So um, I recommend it. Yeah, cool. Okay. So we've got uh, Home Alone 2. Uh, we've got The Family Stone. And they sound like two very different movies because one's a kind of slapstick um, family comedy and the other sounds like it's a much more a much more kind of character-based, introspective, you, almost like a dark film from what you said, Patricia? Um, it, there's actually a bit of slapstick in that one too. It's a comedy, definitely. So I would say maybe not a black comedy, but for sure a dark comedy. It's got it's, got its heartwarming moments. Um, it... Yeah, I, it's hard to describe it, um, <laughs> but it's it's really I don't know. I I end up enjoying it even though you spend half the movie groaning at all the ways that this person is putting her foot into her mouth. <laughs> Sounds cool. Okay, so Jordan, what are you what are you bringing to this Christmas party? What's your your favorite Christmas movie? I don't think I have ever actually watched a Christmas movie, not even Home Alone. Um, oh. la- last year it was like the worst thing. My, my roommate flipped out when she found out I had never seen Elf and try as I might, I couldn't sit and I couldn't force myself to sit and watch Elf. Um, I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. I've never seen, I can't even, I, I don't, I can't even think of any Christmas movies because I don't think I've ever actually seen a Christmas movie. But what I bring to the table is for some reason it seems like my dad would always rent this movie to watch around this time of year, and that movie is Armageddon with Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, and that is the best thing I have, the closest thing I have to a Christmas movie is Armageddon. And see, I wasn't even allowed to watch that movie. That's like my dad's favorite movie. Wow. So, so for those who don't know what Armageddon, well, I'm sure they all know what the JW concept of Armageddon is. Um, uh, so, what's the what's what's the what's the the pitch for the movie Armageddon? Uh, then, Jordan, sell us sell it to us. <laughs> um, the best part about Armageddon is Michael Michael Bay, the director, right? Yep. Um, yep. Sure. <laughs> so the the premise is there's a huge stone the size or not stone a huge meteor the size of Texas hurling at the Earth, and they come up. NASA comes up with a plan to uh, avert the end of the world by sending a crew up to this meteor, drilling a hole into it, blowing up a nuclear uh, a nuclear weapon so that the two halves kind of like go around the Earth and don't destroy the planet. And they decide that astronauts can't be taught how to be drillers, but they can teach oil drillers how to be astronauts. And the best way to describe this movie is, I think Ben Affleck says to Michael Bay, like, it really doesn't make sense that it's easier to train people to be astronauts than it is to teach them to be drillers. And Michael Bay goes, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I heard that story from behind the scenes, yeah. Yeah. And that's the movie, is um, kind of these like good old boys, southern redneck oil drillers, uh, get trained to be astronauts and save the day. And Bruce Willis dies in heroic fashion, and crying is to be had by all the masculine men in the room. Actually, I've got a confession to make. A while back, we did a Guilty Pleasures episode of Uncultured, and I said, I don't have any guilty pleasures because everything I love, I genuinely think is brilliant. 
Armageddon's a guilty pleasure. That movie's like, <laughs> despite itself, I love that film. Despite it's, it's like it's it, it's like it actually is really good at what it does. It's like it's mm-hmm. a little bit too far one way or the other, and it would be awful. But it's like pitched so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it knows what it is and it does what it does very well. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna allow it. I'm gonna say Armageddon's a Christmas film. I'm going to allow it. If you, I, I'm looking at your recommendation, and if you get to pull that one, I get to pull Armageddon. <laughs> well, mine actually takes <laughs> mine actually takes place at Christmas. You see, so let's yeah, let's let's get on to mine. And because it's my podcast we're on, I'm actually going to also do a quick honourable mention at the end. <laughs> I'm pulling rank. So the first film. <clears throat> do we all agree that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Yes. I've, never seen it. I've never seen it. <gasps> okay. <What>? Okay. <laughs> I'm uncultured. So, assume that I have not seen whatever movie you want to talk about. Okay. So, Die Hard takes place at Christmas and um, has lots of Christmas references through it. Basically, takes place at an office Christmas party that goes off the rails in a spectacular fashion. Um, it take, there's basically this, this, this big corporation called Nakatomi that has this huge skyscraper and all of the executives have their executive Christmas party and it gets taken over by terrorists or what you think are terrorists um, led by Alan Rickman who is one of the Alan yeah he is one of the best bad guys <laughs> ever Hans Gruber um, and he as he's basically as you find out that the terrorists are not just terrorists they actually have an elaborate plan there there's something they want and the only problem they have is that one of the uh, executives had a husband who got just invited because he was the husband and he's an NYPD cop who is Bruce Willis and he's the only person who doesn't get taken hostage and thus begins one of the greatest action movies of all time which is set at christmas um, Patricia, you've seen Die Hard from the sound of it. What do you, you seem like you, you like I this have. film. Yeah. So this falls into that category of, um, I, I was brought along for a Christmas tradition of another person. Basically. Um, I was dating someone at the time who, uh, maybe not every Christmas, but liked to watch Die Hard around the Christmas time and found out I hadn't seen it. And so it was one of those like, oh, you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. And then watched my reaction the whole time. <laughs> so I really feel like I need to give it another shake because I was under such pressure to enjoy every minute of it that it was it was hard to enjoy it completely. But um, I, I have a lot of fondness for that as a Christmas movie and also because Brooklyn Nine-Nine features a main character who is obsessed with that movie. And so I, I kind of... I love it because he's obsessed with it, Jake Peralta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, there's, there's two things I love, I love about this film. One is the interplay between Alan Rickman and Bruce Willis, because a lot of this film is their battle of wits, because they're both really... The way they're played is they're both actually really smart characters in different ways. Like, Bruce Willis's cop is very kind of street smart and very very kind of like quick-witted as well but alan rickman's more the kind of sophisticated intelligence kind of smart is like oh mr mclean um and he's got this fantastic <laughs> way of speaking in the in the film but it's a lot of it's about them trying to outwit each other so there's action scenes in it but a lot of it is kind of their battle of intellect that's going on with they're both trying to screw each other over um and the other thing i, I kind of enjoy about this is like 
there's lots of this is one of the movies I, I kind of enjoy action films where the hero's not invincible and the thing with Bruce Willis especially diehard movies now is he can jump off fighter planes and he can do all this crazy stuff and he's fine but in the first film he really is just a cop and he gets progressively he basically gets the shit beaten out of him this entire movie so where you see him at the end he's like been yeah. injured all over the place he's covered in blood and filth <laughs> and he's barely able to walk and it actually grounds it because the original concept of Die Hard was this kind of just every man working class guy like the working class hero who gets caught up in this thing that is completely above his pay grade but he has to kind of work out a solution um, and he's a lot more human in this film than he is in the others and I, I just think it works quite nicely as a Christmas movie and, uh, I, I'm, I'm just stunned that Bruce Willis has appeared twice on our Christmas favorites list <laughs> I was thinking the same and thing I feel like he would be really offended by this <laughs> for, for after all does not Bruce Willis embody the true spirit of Christmas <laughs> wow <laughs> there's oh dear, there's yeah. one thing I wanted to mention that might be of interest to your listeners, if that's okay. Go I'm for gonna it. Pitch, I'm going to pitch an, another podcast, but it's a limited running podcast that's running right now. It's called Cisco and Treebird Present a Christmas Podcast Spectacular on Ice. Um, it's only running for this month. It's a podcast yeah. reviewing and rating classic Christmas films, but the twist is that one of the hosts is a former Jehovah's Witness, seeing all of these movies for the very first time, Ooh. and the other host is <laughs> delightedly dragging her on a tour of all of these classes, classic Christmas movies she's never seen before. Um, the XJW on the podcast is Quinta Brunson, who you may know from BuzzFeed video or those old viral videos of the girl who has never been on a nice date. Have you guys seen any of those? Uh, they were no. like viney kind of videos that went viral maybe five or six years ago but she, she's a comedian this sounds now. really familiar yeah, yeah you've probably seen them yeah. um i probably recognize her face at least i used to watch those buzzfeed videos like crazy yeah yeah i should say that i'm not actually positive she's an xjw because she's kind of uh defensive about her old face like she seems like one of those celebrities that act like they're jehovah's witness even though they're clearly not really jehovah's witness because they're on air cursing and reviewing christmas movies but <laughs> but i i'm not sure i can't peg, peg it regardless it's a really fun podcast with a perspective a lot of us can relate to going over a lot of movies you probably haven't seen before um so you should check it out yeah, okay, I will put that in the show notes um, for people to go and take a look at. Thank you, Joe. I had no idea that was a thing, and that sounds perfectly yeah. themed. That's Just awesome. as a side note, I wish we'd done that for Uncultured, dang it. Aww. <laughs> we'll do it. Well, there's always next year. We'll make you all watch Die Hard. <laughs> or Armageddon. <laughs> so... Before we bring it to a close, I am going to bring up my very quickly my other honourable mention for Christmas movie is Gremlins. Has anyone seen Gremlins? Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, I was scarred for life as a six year old. <laughs> yes, that that that's one of the movies that I think fits perfectly with Spookmas. Yeah, because it's basically the story of uh, this this, this uh, father's looking for a gift for his son, and he finds this strange little pet in the back of a in the back of a strange store. That's this furry little thing called a mogwai, and it's kind of it's this this cute little cute little thing um, and this, he takes it from the he takes can anyone do can, germ can you do the song 
Uh, I don't remember the song. Sorry. Uh, okay. He um, basically gets this little thing and takes it home, but apparently there's three rules for Gizmo. One, you don't ever get him wet. Two, you don't feed him after midnight. And three, what's the, other, what's the third rule? Don't get, put him in front of sunlight. There we go. So no sunlight, don't get him wet, don't feed him after midnight. If you do any of those things, bad things will happen. And the reason I love Gremlins is it's, it's basically this fantastic mix of it. It is a Christmas film. It all takes place at Christmas. And there's parts of it that are very sweet and Christmassy. And then there's parts of it that are like, when, when the bad stuff starts <laughs> happening, it's like, oh, this is going off the rails pretty quick. Because what happens is you meet the Gremlins, who are these kind of nasty little, vicious, mean-spirited, but very funny little things who like <laughs> who, who do they, they basically work out inventive and creative ways to harass and murder people in a way that you think I shouldn't be laughing at this but this is actually really funny <laughs> so if, if you're looking at uh, a Christmas movie um, that has got a mixture of and actually some really cool special effects and really cool puppetry it's 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 a it's a horror but it's not like a, it's not like an R-rated horrific movie it's much more of a fun kind of Christmassy movie. It's it's more kind of. Would you would you guys agree? It's not like a, a blood and gore horror, but it's it's more a kind of middle of the road. It's got a bit oh, of yeah. scary stuff. Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's not awful. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a kids movie. What's what's interesting is that it's a Chris Columbus movie, who's also behind uh, Home Alone. So yeah, Chris Columbus and uh, Bruce Willis can duke it out for a number of appearances on this podcast. Although I will say my six-year-old self was was horrified, so uh, maybe maybe skip the kiddos unless they're used to scarier stuff. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. So that is the. I, I will say you'll never you'll never look at Furbies the same way again. <laughs> I actually I wanted a gremlin Furby for so long. That'd be so cool. It just kind of breaks stuff and yam yam. I I can't do the gremlin. I've got a bit of a sore throat. I can't do the gremlin. Were voice. you guys allowed to have gremlins? They were totally out in my congregations. Do you mean Furbies? Yeah, the Furbies. Sorry, yeah, the Furbies. Uh, my my grandpa, who was a non JW, my mom's dad, um, bought us one, and we just didn't say anything and kept it, and were slightly creeped out by it. Oh. <laughs> See, I've heard this thing that Furbies yeah. were an issue. They were never an issue in the UK. You can have as many Furbies as you want. Oh. They weren't an issue where I was at either. There was one sister that collected a bunch of them. Oh, my gosh. They were completely demonized here. Huh. Actually, I should say I, I was staying uh, in a family's basement for a quick build that I was in a near, nearby town for. And their Furby turned on, like, randomly <gasps> in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I was convinced that it was... <laughs> It was demonic, they and I was Satan terrified. Into the house. And this is like an elder's family, so I was like, "What have they done?" <laughs> yeah. Its head just starts anyway. rotating, and it starts vomiting green goo. It's like a possessed bird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was just like, "Do they?" It was very, very benign, but I was still terrified. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that Furby-ish note, um, yeah, I think we'll kind of bring it to a close. I just want to wish you all a very merry Christmas, and. Uh, and a happy new year. And thank you all guys for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. I love being on the forward cast. It was lovely to be here. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 ho. I don't know what that was supposed to be. <laughs>
That was a very scary Santa from Jordan there. It was the Christmas billy goat. We all know it. (laughs) So that brings us to the end. Uh, Guys, thank you for joining me. I hope you all have a very wonderful Christmas out there. And a happy new year. Um, and yeah, I feel like we should we should play you out with a Christmas carol with us all singing, but I wouldn't want to inflict that kind of horror upon you. So, candles in the wind. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. I found Santa Claus Lane. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've become Scrooge. Bah humbug. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Take care. So everyone, I hope you enjoyed that uh, special crossover edition of the Forward Cast and the Uncultured Cast. Um, if you'd like to hear more of the Uncultured Show, uh, you can find it on unculturedcast.com. You can also go to iTunes, Podbean, uh, search for Uncultured, and you can find us there. And you can also follow the uh, podcast on, uh, uh, I think it's at Uncultured on Twitter, uh, but I could be wrong. I'll stick all the links in the show notes so you can check it out if you'd like to. So next year on the Forward Cast, I already already have two shows recorded which will be coming to you early next year one is with martin hawk who's a returning guest um, you might remember him previously on the show he'll be joining us to talk about some uh, exciting new developments in his life and also i'm interviewing fifth um who you might know as xjw fifth uh, who's a xjw activist he's started a music career and his first single the cost of doing business is available on itunes and if you're a jehovah's witness and you listen to the lyrics you'll be like "Ooh, i recognize this experience and i'm going to be talking to him about getting into music his writing process and kind of basically you know how his xjw experience informs his music so all of this is to come in the new year and until then i wish you all a very merry christmas and a very happy new year take care